Great. Welcome to this impromptu episode of the Dad Bod Podcast. I am Andrew and joined here, as always, with Chris. Cue the music. All right. So the agenda for today's podcast, um, we're going to cover two things. One, just checking in. And then two, we're going to talk about COVID-19. So real quick, Chris, how are you doing? How's your family? Is everyone safe? Things are good? Everyone's safe right now, thank goodness. And I hope anyone who listens to this, the same can be said for them. Awesome. We are we are doing well over here as well. Pretty much all of our social activities and other activities have been canceled. I'm working from home. Um, and so this looks like to be the new normal for the next couple of weeks, if, if not months. So um, the reason that we wanted to talk about this is because of Chris's background in, in healthcare in general. He's been working with a lot of different companies trying to trying to navigate this as well as talking with the CDC and, and different things like that. So uh, Chris, could you just tell us um, what's your pulse on this um, and just, just start talking? Yeah. Um, so I, I want to clarify a couple of misnomers real quickly. Um, and we're going to post uh, in the show notes a really, really good and exhaustive article that will be really informative, much more informative than anything I can say. But the first thing people need to know is this started uh, about three or four months ago in a province of China called Wuhan. There is suspicion from epidemiologists that the virus uh, started in a very specific seafood and poultry market within that city. Um, people know that it spread really, really quickly in China. Um, what they don't realize is that, or maybe it's less well known, is that China has, despite the initial explosion, they've used some fairly draconian efforts uh, in response in the last month to slow it. And they have significantly slowed the spread as a really good example of things that we should keep in mind when we think about how we can slow the spread here. Um, so uh, that's kind of the background for it. We currently, as of recording, have 1,600 cases recorded in the United States. It's important to note that um, we have much fewer uh, FDA-approved tests for uh, COVID-19 than, uh, than the demand would uh, require. Um, there's lots of reasons for that, and we don't necessarily need to get into that. But what the important thing you need to realize is, uh, that even though we have about 1,600 cases, um, the actual number of those infected is going to be much higher than that. Um, the question is, is it one to two times higher than that, or is it uh, in 10 to 12 times higher than that? So um, that's an important thing to keep in mind is for anyone who thinks, um, oh, there's only you know, a handful of cases in my state or there's not even a case in my city. There very likely is. It probably isn't that person just doesn't have uh, hasn't been able to get their hands on an FDA approved test for that. Um, and we'll talk about how you can, what the process is to get tested if we need to. But I'll, I'll pause there as a starting point, Andrew. Thoughts, reaction, follow-up questions. Yeah. So I think the thing that we've been hearing a lot recently is about social distancing. And, and I guess that has two two benefits, right? If you have it and you don't know about it, then you're less likely to infect other people. And if you don't have it and you're social distancing, then you're less likely to contract it from someone else. Is that 
Are those kind of the two main benefits there? Yeah, and I guess the third one is you're promoting healthy behavior for, like, if you're not meeting with someone, that means they're not meeting with someone, and they'll be more less inclined to meet with others. And so uh, so I think people thought it was kind of wild to see the Chinese government effectively shut down cities with tens of millions of people in them and thought, ooh, that'd be scary. But uh, the other side of that coin is they have uh, effectively prevented uh, the what was 80,000 cases f- from becoming 80 million cases, which is not far-fetched of what would have happened had they not taken such measures. So uh, so we can learn a lot there. Now, uh, most people have heard, but I think it's important to note that the people who are uh, at risk here, uh, the average age of people who've died from COVID-19 is 80 years old. Uh, and, and so the average age, uh, the people who are at risk are people over the age of 70, or anyone with pre-existing uh, conditions. So uh, weakened immune systems, if you have like Guillain-Barre syndrome, or if you have a pre-existing comorbidity, if you're a diabetic, um, if you have a, a lung condition, if you have uh, chronic asthma, as one of my seven-year-old daughters has, you're more at risk. Um, because this is uh, one of the differences between this and the traditional flu is that this uh, is going to be uh, most serious cases manifest in strong uh, symptoms with your lungs, with your coughing and breathing. And what kills people is not the coronavirus. What kills them is when they develop pneumonia from having the coronavirus. And so uh, so I think that's important to note. Um, so unless you are uh, over the age of 70 and or have a pre-existing condition that would make you an, a part of the at-risk population, it's very, 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 very unlikely that should you contract this, that it will become a serious uh, life-threatening issue. That said, uh, and, and also of note with children, we don't know. We don't know why children aren't contracting this, but we do know that as of right now, approximately uh, 2.4% of all uh, people who have contracted COVID-19 are under the age of 18, and zero of that, and there's been zero fatalities. So uh, this virus is only what three, four months old. Um, so we don't know enough to know. Uh, uh, we don't know the true ideology of it, let alone have we been able to dissect it, which is why there, there isn't a, a vaccine for it. But it's important to know that children are mostly immune to this. Um, is, I think that assuages a lot of people's concerns. Um, but the reason children and schools are being closed is not because of the risk for children. It's because um, we are all vectors of infection to others, as you highlighted a minute ago, Andrew. Yeah. Can you could you kind of speak to um, what this is doing to healthcare systems and, and if you are showing symptoms, what the appropriate actions to take are? Yeah. So, um, first of all, I'll just, first, let me just note the precautions that people should be taking. Number one, um, don't buy masks. Uh, first of all, because they're, we're going to run out of the supply for clinicians and healthcare workers. So please don't try to buy masks. If you do see masks in the store, don't don't buy them. Don't encourage people to buy them. They don't do a lot. Um, and also the people that do need them, the clinicians in, in the front lines, they need to get to them. Second, uh, if you're going to buy anything, uh, I would buy uh, two main things. Um, cleaning supplies for like uh, hand sanitizer, soap for cleaning your hands, and also uh, cleaning supplies for your homes, um, but not vinegar-based because that won't kill anything. It needs to be uh, non vinegar based so it's like chemicals that will uh, kill the bacteria the the germs here that we need to protect against 
And so stock up on household cleaners and stock up on uh, food uh, essentials that have a long shelf life. So pasta, canned goods, um, flour, um, uh, those are the kind of things you're going to want to stock up, stock up on. doesn't make any sense to stock up on water. There's no reason whatsoever to uh, think this could affect our water supply uh, in any appreciable way. And there's no reason to stock up on toilet paper unless everyone in your family has irritable bowel syndrome. So, um, so just food for thought. Uh, also, social distancing. I think people think that some people are being too hyperbolic. Um, uh, my wife uh, and I have elected for the next couple of weeks that we're not going to get together with anyone uh, at all. We're not having. We're not going to meet with with my extended family in the area. We're not going to ha- have play dates. We're not going to go to uh, uh, you know bridal showers or baby showers over the weekend. Uh, we're going to avoid public places entirely, not just large gatherings. And again, uh, I, I will lie to you and say that I'm not worried about um, uh, my seven-year-old daughter who has chronic asthma because I am. And there's been some moments over the last 48 hours where I've been pretty emotional thinking about it. But uh, I do know that statistically she's very unlikely to contract it in the first place. And even with her asthma, she's very, very likely okay. The reason we're pushing the so- the the social distancing is it's it's the only it's by far the most proven tactic to, to to slow and mitigate the spread so please everyone take that seriously understanding that you it's it's not just about you it's more about protecting our parents and our grandparents and those who are compromised because of pre-existing conditions and so i'm i'm losing a lot of sleep worried about them so please take that seriously now to answer your your uh your question, Andrew, about the healthcare system. What people uh, may not understand is we have uh, pretty se- pretty severe bottlenecks when it comes to our health delivery system to address a pandemic such as this. There are about 46,000 critical care ICU beds in the United States, um, and there's we're, we're potentially looking at uh, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Americans who will simultaneously uh, be needing critical care services and attention uh, in an ICU bed. And the vast majority of them, if they all happen at the same time, um, won't be able to get access to one. Um, I was on a call earlier today where a CDC official uh, estimated that uh, we could run out of hospital beds entirely, let alone ICU beds, uh, by mid to late April. Uh, if If the math and trajectory isn't significantly slowed down between now and then, um, and that doesn't even factor in the, uh, the clinicians, doctors, et cetera, who uh, are, are going to start to have to be quarantined themselves um, and won't be able to treat the sick. Um, so eventually, if this doesn't get slowed down enough, um, the, the, we're not going to have enough doctors to treat the patients either. Um, which brings me to my final point before I'll pause for a breath is that, look, the most dangerous place that anyone can go right now is a hospital, is an ER, is an urgent care center. Um, do not go uh, to uh, to those places. Don't go to a hospital. Do not go to an ER unless you have uh, serious symptoms that warrant it. This is always the case with an ER. It's especially the case now in the time of, uh, of a pandemic of, a, of something like COVID-19. Um, so the people, uh, may think that they, that that's the pathway to get tested. Um, there is a huge bottleneck on the number of tests that we have. 
So the safest uh, thing you can do is most uh, telehealth providers can do uh, initial screening for the symptoms of COVID-19 and give you tips, tools, prescriptions if you need them to mitigate any uh, flu-like symptoms or uh, symptoms of whatever is ailing you to treat that. And if you do warrant a COVID-19 test, uh, a growing number of telehealth providers can uh, connect you with the resources to do that without you having to go into an ER. Now, I say that and knowing full well that uh, this is a, uh, a growing issue where a lot and, and protocols are still being established within healthcare providers, telehealth providers, and your insurance companies, et cetera. But uh, they're getting better and better at this. CDC is establishing protocols and working with them. Um, you don't have to go to an ER to get a test for COVID-19. And uh, very likely you won't unless you're presenting enough of the symptoms uh, that will allow it because there's such a bottleneck on that. So that's all, that's a mouthful, Andrew. I hope that was helpful. Uh, reaction and additional comments, questions. Yeah, no, I think I think that's super helpful. I'm not saying much because I am no expert, <laughs> and I grossly underestimated this when it when it first came out. So um, I'm I'm trying to consume more than actually produce in this conversation. Uh, one thing that that has come up and been on my mind. You mentioned your daughter, the anxiety around that. Um, in regards to talking to to kids about this. Um, I'm curious what you've what you've told them so far. How aware are your kids of, about this? Um, how are you handling this as like as a family? Uh, what's what's been your strategy there? Yeah, it's a great question, especially with young kids. Um, I think the the thing that people don't mean. I mean, now more people realize it than before, but um, we don't realize how often we touch our face. And uh, so I've talked to my kids, especially the young ones. Um, uh, this about two things, uh, don't pick your nose and don't, uh, put your fingers in your mouth. Um, it, it's probably too much to tell them not to touch their face entirely. And I don't think they're going to, uh, be able to be conscious of that. And that may raise more questions that you want to deal with, but those are two easy things to tell them. The other thing I tell my kids is to, uh, is that we're not going to hug or touch our friends right now, uh, or family, uh, besides each other. So, um, uh, unless you're displaying six symptoms, I wouldn't advise people to stop, uh, hugging and giving physical affection to their, uh, you know, significant others and their children. But, um, but we're not doing that with anyone else. And so, uh, you want to do that in a way that doesn't cause alarm. Um, uh, one of my daughters also suffers from anxiety and I wouldn't want to exacerbate that. Um, so I would, I would just do it and just, uh, matter of factly, without causing uh, undue alarm or anxiety for your children who aren't able to process this. I would just say, hey, um, there's a lot of sick people right now. And because there's a lot of sick people, we're going to try to do our part to make sure we don't get sick and make sure other people don't get sick. And this is and some simple things we're going to do. The last thing I do is I would have, uh, I would have a game where uh, you could set up simple games like, hey, we're going to wash our hands for 30 seconds and uh, we're going to practice – um, we're going to practice safe social distancing and we're going to, everyone's going to make sure that they keep their, uh, hand sanitizer, uh, thing with them. And every time we walk into, uh, a public building or every hour, we're going to bust out our hand sanitizer and sanitize our hands and make a game out of it with your kids. Do not cause alarm. Um, especially your kids, there's no reason to, but I think there's some simple low hanging fruit of things that we can all be doing as a matter of fact. And just reinforcing that, uh, 
proactively. And most of us, if we're not already, will or should be working remotely. Kids are going to be kept out of schools um, in most areas of the country uh, for some period of time. And so um, that, that gives you ample opportunity to uh, have thoughtful, uh, non-alarmist conversations with your family. Yeah, I had I had a conversation with my my son today, and did my best to to be upfront, but but not cause panic. And I think um, kids can sense that something's going on, and so rather than trying to keep them in the dark, um, give them the information that they can understand and, and act on. I think that's really good. I think that's a really yeah. good strategy. And uh, and I would just also say. It, this is a great time for those of us who are going to, I'm flying home in 36 hours. Uh, I work in San Francisco and my family lives in Salt Lake. I'll be with them and working remotely for the next few weeks, if not months. And one thing I think is really important is we should all be introducing a, a fair amount of levity um, into our, uh, into our lives with our children. Um, and I think there is actual going to be, cl- there, there are proven clinical be- benefits um, to that as well as, you know, mental health benefits. So just one more thing I'd flag. Yeah, I think, uh, things are, are stressful with the, the things that are happening in the economy and the concerns over sickness. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I'm concerned about. I can feel the anxiety in myself building up and I, I'm concerned about, um, the rest of, rest of the country who, you know, everyone's in different situations. So, um, any, any ways you can find um, to bring some some happiness or laughter in your life? Uh, unfortunately, our podcast this episode is not going to do that for you, but uh, um, we have a great backlog. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's really good good point to bring up. Um, anything else that that's on your mind that you'd like to kind of in, inform about or speak on? Uh, a couple things. Um... I am not an economist. Um, there is a fantastic podcast I would recommend for anyone who is specifically concerned about the economic implications of, of the coronavirus. Um, uh, it's a podcast I listen to weekly called After Hours by three Harvard Business School professors, and they spent 30 minutes uh, yesterday uh, discussing the uh, economic impacts and what the United States should do in terms of fiscal and monetary policies to combat this. Um, I recommend anyone, everyone interested uh, listening to that. There's a strong case to be made that the the most profound impact uh, that will be felt uh, is economically. And uh, that said, um, all indications seem to be, from what I've read and heard, that this that yes, we'll be looking at a recession, uh, which is defined as two straight quarters of uh, of uh, of our economy not growing and declining. Um, so we're very likely to have a recession of some kind. We were due for one after 10 straight years of growth, but nobody seems to think that we're looking at anything like 2008. Um, and so I think it's important for people to have those fears assuaged, um, that yes, the stock market dropped, uh, significantly. Um, the fed is, uh, going to inject a lot of, uh, stimulus package, uh, funds to help curb some of that. But regardless, um, there were a lot of factors in 2008 that led to uh, that led to uh, a long, prolonged recession, and those are are not uh, common characteristics of what is causing this recession. This, by all means, this looks like a slower market correction type of recession that we've gone through 
uh, dozens and dozens of times. So it should be not nearly as dramatic and it shouldn't be nearly as long lasting. So the specifics, I would recommend listening to the After Hours podcast, but I would flag that. Um, the other thing I would say is there is a lot of clinical research that shows that um, that loneliness can, uh, contributes to our clinical outcomes, that people who suffer from behavioral health problems and specifically people who uh, aren't, aren't getting meaningful social interaction um, get sicker, stay sicker longer, and are more likely to have medical complications and or die when they're sick. Uh, and people who are fulfilled uh, socially and emotionally are less likely to have that. And the reason I flag that is we're going to go through, we're going through a lot of uh, chaos right now. And some people are panicking. And um, you're less likely to get sick. You are, and if you are sick, you're less likely to get critically sick um, if you are able to manage your emotional health. And at a time when uh, we are going to be practicing significant social distancing, it will be easy for some people to get lonely. So I would admonish us to find creative solutions to uh, combat that. Uh, do uh, lots of FaceTime with uh, aunts and uncles, with grandpa and grandma. Um, ha uh, be on the phone with, with your friends. Um, make sure that you are spending a lot of quality time with your loved ones who you are um, isolated with uh, in your homes. And those things um, will actually have, have proven clinical benefits and will help us to combat any loneliness we may be experiencing or anxiety we may be experiencing. And so I think it's important to flag that. That's awesome. That's really good advice. Um, we, we, did, we decided to do this episode uh, because of Chris's background and we're not fooling ourselves. We know that we don't have a huge, huge audience, but whatever information that we could give uh, to help out with this, we thought would be beneficial. And, and so if you, if you find this useful, we'd encourage you to, to share it with others. Um, I would just add if, if there's any, um, if there's any parents out there listening to this who find themselves falling on, on hard economic times. Um, we, uh, we'd love to help out. I don't know how we would do that, but if you want to reach out to us directly, we would, um, we'd love to, to find some way to, to leverage the small influence we have to, to help people out who are um, maybe struggling with this. Um, I think that uh, uh, we just have to have each other's backs as, as people are coming in and out of work um, for various reasons. So um, if there is anyone that that's, finds themselves struggling, then um, we, we don't know exactly what we can do to help, but we'd love to, to, to brainstorm and, and think about things. So um, please reach out if, if if you find yourself in need, if you if you need someone to talk to, we're we're happy to um, arrange something like that. We could have a, a group call or, or something like that. Do do more episodes of of our podcast. Anything that we can do to help um, those who are who are listening. So uh, thanks thanks everyone for taking the time. Thank you, Chris, for your insights. We really appreciate. Uh, the work that you've done and hope you make it home safely to your family and, and that you guys are uh, continuing to stay healthy. So thanks everyone. Stay safe. All right. Thanks for listening to the dad bod podcast. Uh, please review uh, the pod podcast on iTunes and uh, subscribe and, and tell your friends. Um, 
Thanks, everyone.